Welcome to the Backbox Pinball Podcast, a podcast for lady pinballers and their friends. Each week, we will sit down with a guest and chat about news and events related to women in the sport and hobby of pinball. Now here's your host, Lauren Gray. Welcome everyone to the Backbox Pinball Podcast. I'm your host, Lauren Gray, and this is a bonus episode, y'all. I'm super excited. I know I'm excited all the time, but I'm extra, extra excited today because I don't just have one lady. I don't have two ladies. I have three ladies. I have a roundtable for you guys today with the women of the Women's Advisory Board for IFPA. I have from New York City, Miss Anna Walk. From Baltimore, Maryland, Miss Juana Summers. And from Chandler, Arizona, Miss Olivia Helm. Yay! Welcome so much, you guys. Thank you for taking time out of your Sunday evening to talk about all the goodness that is Lady Pinball. I, I really appreciate taking the time. And we're recording the weekend of the state championship series. So I was dragging myself away from the streams going on. Um, I saw a little bit of the, the Arizona stream um, yesterday. And then, of course, the Oregon's going on today. I just saw the Ohio stream. So lots of Lady Pinball going on today. But I want to hear more about you guys. So we'll start with you, Anna. Could you share with us your pinball origin story, where you started with pinball and where you're at today? Sure. Um, so I actually lived in two pinball hotspots before I played pinball seriously. I've lived in Portland, Oregon, and I lived in the Bay Area for a little while. And, and I dabbled a little bit in the Bay. I think I'd been to the pinball museum out there a couple of times, but um, never really paid too much attention to it. And then when I moved back to Brooklyn, um, I stumbled upon like a, you know, I, a, there's a bunch of bars in the neighborhood where I live that have like one or two or three pinball machines and I stopped in one day just to check them out and see what games they had and I, I and one of them I went in and there were like 10 12 people crowded at the back um and I discovered the the team league which at the time I think New York was the only city that had a team league um founded by Chris Medina a very unique format which has caught on in, in a few other cities um that you may be familiar with just kind of thought it would be a cool way to to have a, a weeknight activity meet some new people but I knew that I didn't want to join an existing team because I could tell um, just by looking at the crowd there and by what I could imagine the pinball scene is, I didn't want to just join a random team full of dudes, dudes. Um, and uh, so I, I kind of put the call out. Um, there's this very large Facebook group called Queer Exchange um, here in New York, but I think it's kind of gone global and looking for other women, queer folks, um, ideally queer women that wanted to form a, a pinball team. Um, and managed to get together this group of maybe six or eight women, um, just none of whom had any background at all in pinball. And uh, and that's kind of how, how it started, was really just looking for um, some camaraderie and new friends and a hangout. And, of course, went deep, deep down the rabbit hole, um, got really addicted. You know, a couple of us ended up taking it really seriously. Um, a couple of us didn't. Many of us moved away from the original team, but but in that process, you know, we started off in last place the first couple of years, um, and and then we found some other women in pinball and ended up forming a pretty strong team and and getting pretty good, and that's kind of how it started. So that was about six years ago, six seven years ago now. Oh, that's fantastic! Awesome! I and I know I've read a bunch of articles about the New York pinball scene as it uh, deals with um, uh, the women in particular, and I understand that you're one of the, one of the founders of the Pin Babes, and then also um, Bells and Chimes New York City. Uh, we had a different name the first year or two. We spent some time googling pinball terminology and came up with a name that was like 
it was like the bang bangs, I think, which was, we were reading about like the bang back, like the sort of death save move. Mm -hmm. Um, It, it didn't really resonate with most of us. And and then somehow we came up with, with the pin babes. And so we became the pin babes after a couple of seasons. Um, So we are still the pin babes. We still play um, seasons, spring and fall. Um, Only two of us from the original lineup, uh, many people have moved away or dropped off for whatever reason, but we're still going strong, recruiting new pinball players. And at this point are very firmly women only team. I think when we formed, we weren't committed to that, but now we definitely are. Um, and for a long time, we were the only women only team in the league, but there's, there's one other now, the trolls, um, who are some good friends of ours. And it's awesome to see two women only teams going strong. Um, and then bells and chimes, New York. Yeah, that, that was, I think we were the first, non-Oakland sort of franchise of the league that Eka Schneider started um, in the Bay Area. And at the time, it was just the occasional tournament here and there. Um, Mm -hmm. Now it's a a pretty regular league run um, kind of collectively by a number of us. It's uh, largely run by Kate Martin. And then there's um, a few other women that, that participate in the planning and communication outreach, that kind of thing. So um, and as you know, there's now many, many other bells and chimes leagues, but it was, uh, it was pretty cool to, to bring that here for the first time, probably about five years ago or so. Yeah. And it's, and it's thriving. I've, I've, we've had Kate on the show, um, to talk not only about bells NYC, but with, so, um, that's fantastic. Again, Anna, thank you so much for being on the show. Uh, Juana, um, could you share with us your story? Um, sure. So I have been playing pinball competitively for just about five years now. Um, I actually started playing when my now husband and I first started dating. We, one of the bars we actually went to on an early date had, it's this little bar in Baltimore, tiny hole in the wall, and it had two machines in the back. And we kind of started playing around and what have you. And then we started just looking for machines in the area. So going to places like Crabtown, which is right outside of Baltimore, and then Holy for Holes, which is an awesome Mexican restaurant in Baltimore, where we now play our league. They were starting up the league about five years ago when we were just getting into pinball. So we are OGs at Holy for Holies and joined the league there. And kind of like Anna said, it's evolved into a much, much deeper hobby. Um, I travel a lot for work. So getting to find cool pinball spots across the country is one of my favorite things to do now. And it's so funny because I had actually never played before five years ago, whereas I know a lot of other people had like played casually or try, played around with games like at their college rec centers or whatnot. It, I literally never touched a game. And now it's something that fills up both my basement and a lot of my time and my life. <laughs> Um, so yeah, it's been really fun. I started TDing tournaments about a year and a half to two years ago, and we are actually in the process of starting our first season of Bells and Chimes in Baltimore too, which we are really excited about being able to bring that to our community because we have a ton of women who play in our open league as well. So I think it'll be a great time for some sisterhood and some, a different vibe for competitive pinball in Maryland. Yeah, no, that's fantastic. And, you know, I've been hearing about, you know, Baltimore, um, the Baltimore chapter of the Bells and Chimes kicking up at Holy Frijoles, which I thought was a hilarious name for a Mexican restaurant. Um, because I'm like, I live in San Antonio, Texas, which is like, uh, there's a Mexican restaurant on every corner. Um, but yeah, no, that's fantastic. All right. And Olivia, let's hear from you. Uh, tell us about your start in pinball and where you're at today. I played almost no pinball growing up, you know, being in the arcades, I hung out at once in a while and I might play one game and it was too hard. So I went back to the games I was good at, which was things that were not pinball. Um, 
but I've been a longtime collector of classic arcade games, mostly from the 80s, and have about 35 of those in my house. And uh, my wife, a couple years ago, said um, it's not a proper arcade because it has no pinball noises. And uh, it, she didn't grow up playing pinball either. It's just, you know, we're, we we had arcade parties pretty frequently. It was uh, um, something we liked to do. And uh, so we got a machine from a friend, a Flash Gordon, that wasn't working. Uh, we had it fixed that night. And uh, later we picked up a blackout that was, uh, I think, in like a derelict house with its head ripped off and the art blown out. And we restored that, went over all the boards because we had a lot of experience in repairs and the arcade stuff. A lot of the things are similar. Um, and about six months after that, went to a, a women's tournament at ZapCon and finished 12th out of 36. And uh, ZapCon's kind of our arcade and pinball show here. And that was just about two years ago. And I got into the Bells and then I got into some of the leagues here. And so in about two years, I made the cut for a women's world championship this year. I made our state championship this year, um, the women's state championship this year. I was just a couple spots out of the, the open championship. And, uh, and I play, uh, I probably play three or four times a week. Now we, our calendars exploded. I may need to dial that back and get some work done, but, um, yeah, it's kind of my thing now. Yeah, yeah. What pays for all the machines? We've got we went from one pinball machine to eighteen in two years, and uh, with a Rick and Morty on the way is number nineteen. So hopefully in July. Oh my God, I'm so jealous of you. Then oh my God, with your Rick and Morty <laughs> number two sixty. <laughs> I did see some of the uh, events going on on uh, streaming and on Facebook about the state championship series. Um, so congratulations, that's amazing. What drew you to be a part of the Women's Advisory Board? Um, well, uh, our main tournament organizer in Arizona is uh, Tracy Lindbergh, who um, was kind of helping getting this started in the beginning. But being uh, our main tournament organizer for the state of Arizona, she is very busy as well. So, um, you know, with my involvement in ZapCon and hosting and, you know, getting more involved in competitive things, and I've always been someone who's good at explaining other rules to people or coming up with rules. Uh, my wife and I designed a game, too, if you see it behind us. It's open right now. We we're showing someone the guts today. But um, I'm good at thinking about systems and helping explain systems and finding ways to do things. So Tracy recommended me um, to the group to kind of... Uh, give a little broader representation of some of those things. And uh, I'm always willing to help and on, on that type of thing. So uh, I talked to Zoe and, and uh, decided to go forward with it. So, um, you know, it's one of those things I help out wherever I can and uh, just try to think about things from a perspective of what do we know and what can we do about it and how can we help and go from there. That's fantastic. So, so Juana, the same thing. How did you decide to just kind of step in and be a part of the Women's Advisory Board? Sure. So I think it was actually, so out of the folks on the board, the only person I had met prior to this was Anna. And I, so I think Anna reached out to me actually, and I had a conversation with her and Karen and Zoe about kind of what my experience was in pinball. And I know for me as both a woman and a woman of color, one of my large concerns in competitive pinball has been that it is, as we all know, 
overwhelmingly white and male. And I really feel strongly that we should be modeling an inclusive, affirming, diverse environment. And I'd like to see the hobby grow more diverse. So it felt like an opportunity to me where I could kind of put my money where my mouth is and take some of the work that we've been doing at Holy for Holies and with Marilyn Pinball in terms of making it a really diverse, inclusive space and to take that to both the national and international level for the good of everyone who competes. That's something I've kind of brought up on the show. Listeners, if you weren't aware, I am a Latina. So um, it is something that um, when I leave San Antonio, I'm more aware of because uh, my collective space here, it it looks, everybody looks a lot like me. (laughs) But when I go to other pinball events, uh, Everybody does not look like me. Um, so I think that that is um, something I am excited to see um, definitely um, reflected back into the, the hobby that I love. Totally, totally 100% agree with that. Um, Anna, how did you become a part of the Women's Advisory Board? Um, yeah, so uh, I was, I became involved pretty early on, or I guess maybe about halfway through forming the advisory board. Um, it was Zoe, Karen, and Tracy um, had been part of the original Genesis um, and had gotten, you know, the sign off from Josh and were in the process of figuring out what this was going to mean, what it was going to look like. And they were they were in this sort of general information gathering phase of they knew that they were going to be involved, but then they really wanted to pick the remaining members carefully to make sure that the board represented, um, you know, the full diversity of women in pinball, uh, both in terms of, you know, region, um, identities, et cetera, uh, you know, time, time playing, like all, all of the different aspects that make us unique in the women's scene. And um, so they were interviewing a bunch of women and they reached out to me and, and asked me if I would join, which I was really honored by. I didn't really know Karen at all. I knew Tracy a little bit and I, I knew Zoe a little bit better, um, but I didn't know any of them super well. Um, and it was really great to, to get to know them better. Um, and then we continued to sort of make our list of women we wanted to talk to and it, it could have been endless. So at some point we kind of just had to cut it off, but we, we talked to a lot of women just to sort of understand what's important to them. And then from there, figure out maybe who would make sense um, to join the board. And so from there, we we invited the Kim and Juana and Olivia, um, and that that's how it happened. So uh, yeah, it's been really really fun process, and it was definitely a lot more work early on. And now, um, you know, we're not we're still in contact. I would say almost daily, but we're kind of just shooting the shit and hanging out online a lot of the time um, it's it's a little bit less intense and hopefully we'll we'll stay that way because we all have very busy lives so it's amazing we managed to to connect it all but it's it's been really cool so there's been a lot of action going on with the women's advisory board um so i found out why you guys came onto the advisory board but overall what would you think and we'll start with you olivia what do you think are some goals that you guys have with the women's advisory board well, one of the first things we worked on was, um, you know, updating uh, conduct, uh, conduct rules. So just with the overall goal of driving towards a more safe and welcoming play environment for 
all players. So that was one of the very the, the very early on things we did was to um, just get a more modern set of rules in place and try to communicate to the tournament directors that you know you can enforce these rules and we will stand behind you. Right. And, and be a resource to them when issues come up to assist in making decisions on how to handle that type of thing. But just we want to get that message out there that if someone is making your environment an unsafe or unwelcoming place, we will stand behind you in, in getting that corrected so you can be safe and welcoming for all players. That the, the, the sort of next thing we we're looking at is just how do we, you know, how do we grow the sport of competitive pinball, especially in, in women? Um, because, you know, we are fairly underrepresented in the, in the pinball community as a whole. So uh, we kind of moved on with survey initiatives to um, look at what is it that, um, and well, let me take a step back, not just playing, but also, you know, in a sort of tournament director, um, organizer role. Um, and, 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 you know, we took a, we took a look at, uh, you know, we put out, I'm sorry, I'm fumbling all over the place. You can cut all that crap. <laughs> um, not used to having that available. So, so so we constructed a survey and, and it is okay. put it out to the um, mm -hmm. pretty much anyone who had uh, been in an event before um, and was on the list as having played in women's events or being on the women's uh, ranking list to kind of find out um, what brought you in, what keeps you in, what do you think of the women's championship series? You know, are you interested in running tournaments? Uh, what do you think are barriers to entry? So, um, and then with that information, we're trying to look at having more resources available to get more people into tournament directing, um, expanding the women's um, championship, uh, really have started to push this idea of the women's state championships, um, perhaps with um, an eye to the future of being more like the North American championship series, you know, probably a little ways out from that, but you know, we're, we're, you know, uh, uh, winning in that state champion or provincial cha state or provincial championship is what gets you into um, that. So we've also done a lot of work behind the scenes to, to try and assist with um, assist tournament directors at various individual uh, tournaments with some conduct issues that they've had to deal with. You know, we're a lot of this who run these tournaments. I don't run that many, but you know, a lot of, even the people who run them really frequently, it's not, we don't get training in, you know, how to deal with, uh, uh, you know, these types of unwanted comments, unwanted touching, um, inappropriate behavior. Um, and everyone's got a different approach. So we've early on, we've been focused on being supportive when people have had those questions um, either players or tournament directors, and guiding people towards some resolution on that. Um, we're not really a disciplinary board, you know. So, but well, you know, what we're trying to do is is make those resources available, and you really get the message out there that yes, you can take action on this. This is your event, and you have the right to make it safe and welcoming. Yeah, no, I think that's a, a that's a great point. You know, I think I said this to Karen or to Kim, but it was like, you know, you're making all these decisions without the right people at the table, you know, and, and I think that 
uh, IFPA was well-intentioned, but, you know, the, with the creation of the board, I think that's, it's going to help a lot. Although that's really interesting. At first I was like, Oh Lord, a bunch of dudes just you know, <laughs> asking us a bunch of questions, you know, asking of the board. Um, but, but I actually, you have a great point. I mean, it, it, you guys, uh, you know, unknowingly are serving a need to the community that we didn't realize was, was valued or needed. So I think that's fantastic. Juana, what are your thoughts, not only about like you, maybe the direction of the uh, women's advisory board, but do you see, you know, I'm obviously people are kind of writing in, Hey, can you advise us? Do you, do you see that growing, that role growing possibly for you guys? Or do you guys really just want to maintain that we are just advising? We don't have any kind of, I mean, there's no, nothing punitive about the IFPA per se, but um, you know, is, is that something that you think might be an issue later on? Um, so a couple of things come to mind. One thing that I've said frequently to the folks on the board, as well as to Josh, is that it can often be intimidating if you're a tournament director out there in wherever and you're running into an issue you don't know how to resolve. Emailing the head of the IFPA can be really scary for some people. I know it's not a step I would necessarily to take myself when I'm directing a tournament and I'm running into an issue. So I think that for a lot of people, we're kind of a lower barrier to entry. We're from different places in the country. A lot of folks might know us. And so they feel like they can come to us and say, I don't necessarily feel like this is something where I'm looking for a punitive measure, but I need some advice on how to handle a situation where there's not necessarily a rule set that governs it. And we, and I just need some help or some support, whether you're a tournament director or a player. I think one thing that we're all collectively really excited about, and I think Kim Martinez has talked about this a lot and I might have even talked about it when she was on the show, is I think that in the future, we want to be able to provide some additional resources to folks who are stepping into roles as tournament directors. Like Olivia said, there's not a rule book. Like we don't get training. There's no webinar to tell you how to do this really well. And so particularly for first-time tournament directors and first-time tournament directors who happen to be women, we want to make sure that they feel supported and know what resources are at their disposal so that they can run the best tournaments possible and have the best experience for their players. Just to add to that, it's also been really interesting how people have started to see us as like a conduct board, even though we're, we're really just here to sort of uh, try and help grow women, grow and support women in pinball. But we've actually had like a number of men reach out uh, about conduct issues, asking us to help, which in some ways is a little odd and kind of annoying, but in other ways, it's actually kind of great because it, it demonstrates a need being filled. You know, it's an unintended, unexpected need, but but it's clear that there that these issues are not just about gender and that nobody really knows how to deal with them. And they see us, you know, helping rewrite the um, IFPA and PAPA conduct rules and, and putting ourselves out there as a um, available to consult. And it seems like we're, we're serving that broader purpose, even though I don't think we want to be. And to some extent, we, we redirect that outreach when it happens. But, um, but I, I think that's been really interesting. Yeah, no, I think those are great points. I, I'm a tournament director. We have our Bells chapter here. But yeah, I become the de facto like, hey, Lauren, there was this ladies issue with the co-ed openly. Can you? I'm like, I am not like the oracle. Okay. <laughs> like, I, can't, I, I can't know what everybody's thinking at all times. I, I'll ask some people and figure out, like, maybe get some advice for you guys. But um, I think that having a lot of tools and, and you know, building up those um, different kind of guidances and things is going to be really helpful. Uh, you know, nobody's gonna have to reinvent 
reinvent the wheel um, because I, I've dealt with all kinds of stuff. And I know each one of you have uh, running leagues and, and tournaments. You're like, what? <laughs> what has happened now? I was like, okay, everybody keep your hands to yourselves and be nice. I'm like, how hard is that? Like the, the two rules, keep your hands to yourself and be nice. I'm like, the, the, I feel like it's not this hard, <laughs> but I guess it is. Um, you guys put out a feedback survey. Um, in November. And then December, you guys had another release via the IFPA. And this was the conversation where you guys talked about the $1 fee not being in, in instituted, which I know that was the buzz. Like we talked about that on the show, on multiple shows. Uh, everybody like here in Texas was chatting about it amongst ourselves. Um, so I'd like to hear from each one of you guys what you think about um, not instituting the dollar fee? Like, do you think it'll affect anything? Do you think we'll have the dollar fee in the future? And we'll start with you, Olivia. I the, the dollar fee is probably coming in the future. But I think what we were able to do in our conversations and conversations with uh, Josh is kind of uh, get the idea across that let's have a better plan for what this dollar fee is supporting. Um, before we move, move forward with it and kind of have some of what that dollar fee is going to support be in place to kind of help grow women's pinball events as, as we get further uh, closer to that. So when, once we have kind of a full, and, and this is my idea, and most of us, I think, have talked about this, and, and it may not be exactly like this, but you know, we, we're probably looking towards those state women's championships eventually feeding in sort of like the, the national North American championship series. And then you'd have a dollar fee that part of that is supporting those prize pools and, and, and that type of thing. But um, we, I think we just all felt strongly that without really the idea of where that dollar is going to go, maybe we should hold off and build that structure first. So that's, yeah, that's what we've been moving towards. That's a great point. Anna, your thoughts? Yeah, so um, I I think that the dollar fee, you know, when I was initially asked about it, I was one of the recipients of Josh's email. And I think that he had emailed the top 50 women from Open and the top mm -hmm. 50 women from women's tournaments and asked for ad advice or feedback. Um and he had a kind of compelling pitch and my initial reaction was like, oh yeah, sure. That sounds good. No problem. You know, and then I saw all the conversation ensue on Facebook, like uh, mostly in sort of bells and chimes groups about all of the various reasons why that didn't feel good for people. And, and I kind of changed my mind and, and followed up with him and it became a lot more complex. And I think that for me, the, the feedback that, that resonates the most for me about why it, doesn't didn't make sense at the time was that the women's world championship uh, was drawing more from open rankings than from women only rankings. And so the idea that women who may only be playing in women only tournaments um, are, are feeding into the prize pool. And then there may be women that are not playing any women only tournaments that are not feeding into that prize pool that actually have kind of a better chance of qualifying given that the number of slots, it was 16 from open and eight from women's. And it just didn't make sense at all. Um, and that still that still rings true for me that uh, there shouldn't be women capable of winning the, that that earnings who didn't put a single dollar into the pot. Um, and so, yeah. you know, we we wanted to do a more comprehensive outreach about all these questions, like, uh, and that's what that survey was. And I feel like we got some really valuable feedback, and and the 
the results were split fairly evenly between support for the dollar fee, um, so, you know, be, be women being against the dollar fee and then like ambivalence or misunderstanding. There was really no clear winner, um, pro or con dollar fee. Um, so I think that was just an opportunity for us to um, stall a little bit and get a little clearer about it. And we were, you know, Josh was really, really pro and we were able to sort of convince him that, okay, maybe this still does need to happen, but we need to, first of all, make sure that there's even at least even um, qualifying spots from both women's tournaments and open tournaments. If, if anything, it should be the opposite where there's more spots for women only tournaments. If the idea that the dollar fee is going towards that women's world championship um, so I think it just gives us a chance to gather more feedback and be a little more precise about it because it's not as straightforward as with um, the open championship series and, and the, the dollar fee there. So I do think that it's probably coming. And I think that building the groundwork now and having regional, you know, state and provincial championships right now, it's kind of just for fun and glory. But in the coming years, that could at least somewhat feed into the women's world championship. And then some of that money could stay locally. That was a lot of the feedback we got was that women wanted a dollar to be accessible in state to the women, you know, cause it, the availability yeah. of women only events really varies dramatically by region. Um, so that was, that was really loud feedback that we heard for sure. Yeah. And, I, and me and Juana have been nodding this whole time as you've been talking. So, so Juana, your thoughts on the dollar. Um, I'll keep it short because I largely would echo what Olivia and Anna have said, but I think that the biggest takeaway for me from talking, first of all, when I was just talking to folks in my local community, women that play pinball, it shocked me how many of them didn't know that this conversation was even a thing. Like up until this point, we hadn't had a Bell's chapter. So the idea is that the couple of women's tournaments a year that we had were going to now soon be charged a dollar was pretty surprising to them. So one of the big takeaways I had was that a lot of people weren't even aware that this was a conversation or a thing that was happening. So it was helpful, I think, to have the survey to let people know that this is something that's being considered. But the other big takeaway I had is what Anna just kind of underscored is the fact that the strong feedback we have from women players is they would like that dollar to stay locally as much as possible. And so I think that's something that we're going to be thinking about as we continue to talk with Josh about future implementations and what that looks like. Yeah. And, and I was kind of in, in Anna's camp. Like when I, I thought we had to pay the dollar and then I found out we didn't have to pay the dollar and then they were going to institute the dollar. And I was like, ah, fine, whatever. Um, but then, you know, I was speaking to other TDs and the other Bell's chapters and then they were breaking down the whole part of the state and where the money was going and that there were so many questions. I'm like, oh, well, that, those are excellent points. You know, I mean, yes, it is a dollar, but it's still a dollar and all those dollars add up. So um, I think that, you know, kind of holding back and, and having a better structure, I think is a, a terrific idea. And I wholeheartedly agree. Um, one of the big things um, I'm excited to see because we did not have one and I was really, really sad um, is about the um, the championship series for the states. So, so we'll kind of start with you, Juana. Um, what do you guys see that looking like? Um, because I, from what I understood, this was an invite only from IFPA for uh, the states for women. Um, do we see like an all women series for each one of the states or the states that want to participate? So what we've kind of done, and other people might be able to speak to this in a little bit more detail, because I am also in a state that has not in the past had a women's states of any form, is we've been kind of getting. Um, getting responses from folks who might want to direct um, for the following year a state's championship series or provincial in their states and kind of they've been reaching out to us and we've been kind of trying to forge connections between people if we get multiple responses from a state as to who might want to direct those 
And I think Olivia said this earlier, the goal is to ideally maybe have this feed into something that looks more like Next, but we're just kind of in the beginning stages of that right now and kind of building out that infrastructure since it hasn't been something that's existed everywhere before. So here's a plug if you're interested in um, directing something like that in your state and you don't think anybody's gotten in touch with us, please get in touch with us. <laughs> so Olivia, you guys just had your state championship series. Um, so are there any thoughts of um, what you'd like to keep the way it's structured now and, and maybe what you I kind of see moving forward? Yeah, so um, I, I I like the structure that we have in place. It looks pretty much like the the state championship that feeds into the North American Championship Series. You know, we have sixteen qualifiers, um, single elimination, best of seven format. Um, so that format worked out well. Uh, I think um, the one interesting thing is that we did draw from open and women's events, and that's kind of the the rankings that will provide. Uh, be providing on the IFPA website by states, you know, sort of like is provided for the open now, we'll, we'll support that in that we, um, we take the odd seeds from the open rankings, the even seeds from women's only events, and you go, you know, one, two, three, four, all the way down to 16. So, um, you know, you have sort of two paths to get there. Um, if there's not a lot of women's events in your state or province, um, guess what? This is a good opportunity to get some going this year. Um, yeah. And this is, this is very much, uh, uh, especially in Arizona, we've probably got, uh, we only had one uh, woman qualify for open state championships. I was an alternate. We've got, I can see two or three who could be, you know, beyond that, who could be competitive next year. And it's a nice exposure to the format for a lot of us. It was, the first time we've played in this style of format. We have lots of group match play uh, in Arizona, a lot of the events we go to. So it's a very different format, something different, you know, different things to think about. Um, For many of the women in the tournament, it's probably the first time they played in a tournament where they chose a game. You know, it's usually Mm -hmm. one of the first things we hear at the beginning of all of our tournaments is the software we tell you where to play (laughs) and don't play out of order. Uh, burned into our brains. But so it's a different format, different way of thinking. So I think it's um, good exposure just for developing players competitively to get um, that, that different format. Oh, excellent point. I, yeah. Whenever you tell them to pick a game, they freak out. They're like, what? No, no. The software is supposed to tell me where I'm supposed to go. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Anna, any thoughts? Um, no, I think, I think they pretty much covered it. We, I was also in a state that didn't have a women's state championship and, and my local community is definitely growing season after season with belts and chimes, but it tends to be much uh, more heavily weighted towards the casual or social player. Um, we have a few women that are super competitive and travel for tournaments and attend open tournaments, but I would say the majority just sort of come to the bells and chimes league or, or play in the team league, um, which is also a pretty casual environment. So I'm excited. I can tell already that, that women are sort of thinking, you know, have their eye on next year's state championship and are taking their competition a little more seriously just with that as a motivator. So I'm excited to see where that goes in terms of, of turning some of those casual players a little more competitive. I always like it when I can turn them over. When they start asking me questions about where else can I go play? I'm like, ah, oh, yes. Yes, I've got you now. So yeah, no, I'm, I'm very excited. I was talking to our local Bells about the state championship series. And they're like, well, why doesn't Texas have one? I was like, 
well, it's a long story, but don't worry. We're going to have one next year. It's going to be great. Um, so I, I just, there's all these amazing things you guys are doing and I'm so excited about them. So one of the things I want to ask, cause I'm just like future tense, like what do you ever see women's events kind of, I, I'm, we are, I was like, we're even, but do you ever see there being something to akin, like a stern pro circuit for women? Do you ever see that in our future? Cause I mean, I, every league season for me locally, I have more and more women joining. So I don't think that this is like too far out of the box. Um, and we'll, we'll start with you, Anna. What are your thoughts about that? I mean, do you actually see like, I, cause I look at the Stern pro circuit and then I think I'm like, okay, these are all open events. What about a lady circuit? Yeah. Um, it's definitely come up a couple times and I've, realized how little I understand about the current structure of the IFPA, even being a pretty serious competitor and traveling quite a bit. When Josh starts talking about majors and I'm like, wait, I don't get it. What's a major? What's different? Like I, I just asked probably five or six different people this year. Okay. Now Indisc is the open, but it looks exactly like it did last year. I'm confused. What's different about the open? And they're like, oh, well, it's a world championship event. And I'm like, what's different about a world championship event? Like, I, I didn't really understand all of this. Um, and so I think these ha- this has come up more in terms of the idea of a major, which I think is separate from the Stern circuit. But questions, we've gotten questions from people like, is WIPT a major? Is the Indisc, because the Indisc, the Open is a major, is the women's division at Indisc a major? Right. So we're definitely getting those questions already and talking about it a little bit. Um, and I could certainly see the idea of some women's events being designated majors. I don't think we've talked as much about the idea of like a champion, like a championship series um, that, you know, I, I, but I think it's certainly open to discussion and would, would be fun um, to, to see women sort of traveling around chasing those. Uh, chasing those events for sure. Yeah, no, definitely. Uh, you're, I see smiles from everybody. So your thoughts, Juana, on, you know, possibly like a lady circuit. I mean, it's certainly something that I'd love, I'd love to see one day. I, I kind of agree with Anna that we haven't talked about as much of a huge travel circuit, but I think, I mean, it'd be really cool to watch. We have so many talented women across the country and the world who a lot of us haven't even had the opportunity to play in the same spaces unless you go to some of the the bigger events and shows. So, I, I mean, I think it would be awesome. It's not something that we've like actively started talking about organizing or anything like that, or, or but I think it would be really cool to see. Olivia, your thoughts? I say let's get women's state championships going in a lot of states this year. And I think that will give us some momentum and you will start to see some of these other even larger events follow. Um, but I think that's our first step is to have that sort of a, almost like a parallel structure to the NACS um, system available just to, and and that in and of itself is going to have more incentive for women events, more sort of reward and excitement towards women event, women's events in some locales where they may not have many of them. Well, now you've got eight spots in a, in a um, state championship uh, structure that's supported by the IFPA to fill. So go have some women's events, fill those spots. Um, and and that I think can can sort of uh, build us some moment, momentum towards uh, building up some other uh, larger infrastructure that is that you know, something like a pro series. Something that's helpful to remember also is is the criteria with a circuit event is that it has to have happened for three years prior before being designated 
a circuit event. And so, you know, we're really excited to hit the ground running. And at the same time, like some of those are organic changes that I think will come once, once, uh, once we've proved ourselves, once the women's events have proved themselves. I think there's some skepticism about, oh, well, once there's enough women playing, then there's no need for women only events anymore. And, and that, that it might go away. And so I think if, if a few years from now, we're like, okay, these are clearly the women's events that have stuck around and have a huge draw. And then, and then I think there's an opportunity then to develop something like a circuit for sure. Yeah, no, that's an awesome point. Um, so thinking of also the future besides like my, my dream lady circuit, pinball circuits can be amazing. It's already happening in my mind, but what are some goals that you guys have for, for 2020 for the board and maybe perhaps yourselves in, in your um, interactions with the board. And we'll start with you, Olivia. Uh, we've been talking some about some, so many things at the end of last year. I haven't really thought about the next one yet. So I couldn't say that I've got specific goals for 2020 other than, you know, in the short term is really supporting uh, getting the, uh, the state and provincial championships going for, for this year. Um, that's really what I'm thinking about, but, I'm sure my colleagues have better answers than that. Put them on the spot. <laughs> no pressure. No pressure, guys. Uh, Wana, uh, do you have any big goals for this year or, or things that you maybe want to get done? Um, we've joked about this in our group Slack a lot, but I think my goal is to find an event where most of us or all of us are actually going to be at because some of us still haven't actually met each other. So <laughs> that's my big goal. But I would agree with Olivia that really getting women's states off the ground is one of our biggest things, just continuing to be a resource to people in the community who need it because clearly with the volume of emails we're getting, there's some needs that aren't being met and we're happy to be of service. Fantastic. And Anna, your thoughts, goals for 2020. Um, it's funny. I'm trying to pull up this shared doc that we were fast and furious um, writing at the very early stage of this. I think even before we had talked to Olivia and Juana, there was just this never ending note sheet of like ideas and they're really endless. And so I think we started um, in the right spot, but there are there are so many other things we could tackle, and I think the one that's come up most commonly that we haven't really gotten to yet is the TD guide of some sort. Whether you know, I, I liked the um, idea of it being kind of like a video series or something, but we uh, we haven't really gone further besides the recognizing the need, um, and I think maybe that's something that could happen in 2020 is uh, is more more concrete uh, resources for TDs. That I think that would be amazing. I, the, your TDs would love y'all. Thank you. <laughs> well, it's not even just about the existing TDs. We just want to make a, an easier path. And this is something that that Kim's really been driving on. Um, it, you know, make an easier path for uh, new new uh, tournament directors to to come in and, and start their own events, especially to get more women at the helm of some of those as well. Great points. So. Uh, kind of as, as we start to wrap up the show before we move into our final segment, um, we have a lot of listeners who are either, we have a lot of listeners that you guys probably know, but we also have a lot of listeners that are men, which I did not expect that coming in with a, a lady pinball podcast, but it totally is great. I love it. Um, but we also have a lot of people who are new to the hobby that listen as well. Um, so I kind of, if you guys could give a statement about um, what the Women's Advisory Board not only means to you, but kind of means to the community. And we'll start with you, Juana. Way to put me on the spot. <laughs> <laughs> Go! <laughs> um, for me, I guess, and I, I heard this a little bit earlier, I think that having 
the sport exists and being able to be a part of it is just another, it's another step towards making sure that women have a seat at the table in competitive pinball and that we're able to help ensure that this hobby is not only fun and competitive, but also radically inclusive and diverse and accepting and affirming. Um, the biggest thing that breaks my heart is when I hear somebody talk about where they wanted to start playing pinball at one another tournament and they walked in and they didn't feel welcome or they didn't feel safe. And for me, I think the biggest role we can have is being a force for good and change and making sure that women's voices are heard at the highest levels of decision making. Anna, what would you share with our audience for your thoughts on the Women's Advisory Board? I think that the best thing that can happen for women in pinball is is to have more uh, women in open events and more women TDs in open events. And I've seen this very clear path of women starting in women-only events because it feels approachable um, and not intimidating. And then they and then they sort of slowly get further and further into the scene in general. Um, so I, you know, I, I get the question a lot about like, well, you know, why are there women only events at all? Like, is there some, are women at some disadvantage? You know, it's not a strength-based sport, these kinds of things. I'm like, well, it's just about access. When I started playing the very first open tournament I went to was like 30 dudes who I didn't know and me, and it's, um, it's not a comfortable situation. And so I, I think that for me, the women's board is just about, creating space um, for women to feel comfortable both in women only events and in open events. Um, and the, the, the growth that's happened just over the last few years has been really exciting. So I'm, I'm just happy to be able to participate in, in continuing that growth and then also just acting as a, a leader and a resource um, for women that are new to the scene and, and need some help. No, that's fantastic. And Olivia, your thoughts? Yeah. So for me personally, women's pinball events were sort of my gateway drug into <laughs> uh, competitive pinball. And it just for the reasons Anna said, I mean, it, it was a safe place to get started. And, you know, now I participate in pretty much all the events I can get my uh, hands on. And, you know, I look at it as oh, there's open events and there's women's events. That, that means more pinball. That's, you know, there's more to love. Um, so, you know, for, for me, it's really about expanding access, expanding opportunities, kind of getting that message out that these exist. And if they don't exist where you live, you can start them and uh, <laughs> have those resources available just to get more because it because it's fun and it, it is um, accessible to a much broader spectrum of of people than are necessarily in it right now and I, I want uh, everyone to get their shot and uh, so anything I can do to contribute to that uh, means a lot to me. Yeah, that no, that's awesome. I think that one of the things that's um, really really good about. Um, having the women's advisory board that people don't think they're alone. I think there's this idea that I'm, I'm here trying to get this done all by myself. Um, not only, you know, reaching out if you want to start a, a women's only league, or if you want to have more women pin, more lady pinball in your community, you know, you have the women's advisory board to help you. You have, if you want to start bells and chimes, just reach out to the closest bells and chimes chapter. Heck, you can come contact me. I might be in Texas. I might not be able to be there physically, but I know that all of my fellow bells and all of my, fellow lady tournament directors and players are there to help you. And just, it, you know, if you have questions about it, it they are there to help. So it's definitely a, a great resource. And I'm so excited you guys are here. And uh, there's so much goodness coming out of, out of the Women's Advisory Board. Every time I see a post, I'm like, yes, 
yes, success. So excited. Um, so you guys are doing amazing work and I know it's hard and I know like nobody gets paid for this y'all. No one gets, <laughs> no one gets paid. Uh, they're doing a lot of work in their free time besides doing all the pinball things, um, doing the work with the women's advisory board. So on behalf of me and all the other lady pinballers out there and pinballers in general, thank you so much for everything you guys are doing. Well, thank you for having us on to spread the word. We're going to have a fun, fun part now because we, we were doing all the women's advisory board stuff. But um, for those of you who listen to the show, we have a segment at the end we do with all of our guests called Inside the Pinball Arcade. And it's where our listeners get a chance to find out more about your pinball mind. Are you guys sure. ready to play? <laughs> <laughs> all right. Awesome. All right. So I'm going to ask a question and then we'll go around and get everybody's answers. There are eight questions and we'll start with question number one. What game do you love? And we'll start with you, Juana. Oh, gosh. Um, right now, I'm very into Scared Stiff. Um, we have one at Holy for Holies, and I just, I love it. It's always fun, and it puts a smile on my face every time. <laughs> Anna, what game do you love? It's always such a hard question to answer, but I think um, I think I'll answer Grand Lizard. It's uh, we, we have one okay. grand lizard um, on location here and it's become one of my, I think one of all of our favorite games. And then, and then I lucked out and that it was on the women's bank at, at Indisc last week, um, which was just so exciting. And, and, uh, and I crushed it there too. And it's just, yeah, I don't know. It's a simple game, but I could just play it all day long. I love that one. I don't, I don't know if anybody said grand lizard yet. Oh my gosh. I love that. Uh, Olivia. So there's a change, but, based on the day of the week you asked me, but I have a newfound pr appreciation after yesterday for high speed. Um, oh. Just because, uh, oh yeah, I put, I put a beaten on it. Uh, oh, the original high speed. I, I, I had a, a, a beautiful ball one yesterday, about two and a half million points, including a multi-ball where I, a multi-ball where I immediately trapped all three balls, hit the spinner, hit the ramp, got the jackpot, just, just like I was a pro or something. You know, it was beautiful. Couldn't have scripted it out better. I'll probably never happen again but it was a thing of beauty so yeah and until the next time I play it anyway that's probably one of my favorites <laughs> uh, awesome answers ladies all right question number two what game do you hate Juana Paragon no no contest can't can't stand it if I draw it in a tournament I will curse under my breath or very loudly depending on the day just do not like it I've watched as many of Jose Chong streams of it as I can I can't play it worth anything. I'm sorry. I, I, I feel I felt the passion behind that answer. <laughs> All right, Anna, what game do you have? Uh, can you skip me? I need to think about it a minute. It's just so much easier to come up with games I love. All right, we'll go to you, Olivia. What game do you hate? Stern's Star Wars. And it's it makes me sad because I'd like to like it. But um, um, I, I just don't like the roving multiplier. I don't like the the plunge of death. Um, you know, I, there's, it's, uh, I, this is a game I'd least like to be put on when just feel it. Fe I, I know it's not, I mean, no, all the games have a bit of randomness to them, but you can always control the randomness. I just don't feel like I control the randomness in that game. Yeah, no, I, I completely agree. Elizabeth Cromwell was on the show a yeah. few episodes ago and we were like, they're making mm -hmm. us do too much pinball math. Like I have to do all this math before I'm I get started. <laughs> I am fine with the math. It just, I don't want the random element to the math. Give me the, make the math be straight up. Let the slingshots do the randomness. <laughs> All right, Anna, we're back to you. I can think of two games that I hate. 
One is the Avengers. Um, and then I think the other game that I hate, well, maybe let's leave it, maybe let's leave it at that. The Avengers, I think, is is the game that I most dread having to play. <laughs> All right. We haven't had, uh, we've had Star Wars on a few times, but the, but the other two were new. So I like those. All right. Uh, question number three, what is your favorite pinball art? And this can be back glass, play field or cabinet art. Uh, Juana, what is your favorite art package? Oh gosh. Um, I don't know that I have, there's so many good options. You know what? Actually, I'm going to just be honest. Even though I hate Paragon, I really love the art. I don't like playing the game at all, but I think it's actually really beautiful. So I'm going to go with that because it's top of mind right now. All right, Anna, you have a favorite art package. I just can't get over Juana hating Paragon. I didn't know anyone hated Paragon. (laughs) That game is so fun. That would probably be in my top 10 favorite games, actually. We're going to have to talk Um, about this. I think think the art, um, I really love the Circus Voltaire art. I love the game also, which I know is controversial. Um, but I, I love the art and the other one that jumps to mind is centaur. I really, really love the centaur art. If I, once I am able to buy machines and start building my collection, that that's going to be one of my very first games for sure. I just played centaur. I'd seen the art package, but I'd never run into one in person. And I finally played one when I was in Richmond this week and I loved it. I'm like, Oh my God, this is going into the top 10. I mean, the gameplay on it was amazing. And then the art is just beautiful. So I like that one a lot. All right, Olivia, what is your uh, favorite art package? You you know, it's not so much art packages, but I kind of like the flourishes that can be added. You know, uh, one of my favorite things to see in a pinball machine is, uh, you know, all the metal powder coated. So um, there's a new arcade bar that opened up uh, in the Gilbert area and that right next to Chandler called uh, um, Level One Arcade Bar. And a friend of mine who owns games there did powder, like this beautiful white powder coat on a a Star Star Wars uh, premium and, you know, the dark green on the Ooh. creature from the black lagoon and, and you know it's all the pins there have uh, real nice he's big on powder coating so like all the legs and the the armor and all that stuff is is uh, all really well coordinated um you know i've got definitely a range of you know, i really like circus Voltaire's art too and and theater of magic and um some other ones that i've got but that's that's the kind of thing that my wife like and i like to do is kind of upgrade and add flourishes so i like to see the customized um stuff that doesn't doesn't affect gameplay but makes the machine a little unique i like that we haven't had anybody talk about flourishes before so i like that that's a little different all right question number four what is your favorite pinball sound this can be the sound a particular mech makes or this can be like a sound package or um music that a machine makes and we'll start with you wanna oh man it's really hard being first every time um sounds i just recently bought a bow and arrow and i could listen to that thing all day like i just think that the chimes and all are very beautiful and fun and it's also the first game i bought myself so i think it holds a little special place because of that too Ah, i like that anna well this is probably controversial but i think i'd really love that librarian scream on ghostbusters you know it's uh... a <laughs> Oh no! Oh no! What? You know, uh, I wouldn't say I would want to listen to it all day, but it it makes me laugh every time you're in a crowded, loud bar and people don't even realize there's (laughs) pinball machines and everyone stops and turns. You know, it's it's really fun. Uh, That's a first. (laughs) All right, Olivia. 
in any any spinner rip that feels interactive or reactive or I'm not sure what the best active word for that would be, but um, something that is, is rapid, hits hard and gives you that sense of how fast or, or slow that spinner is ripping is probably one of my favorite things to hear. But I have to say another one I do like is uh, uh, we picked up a Spanish eyes oh, not too yeah. long ago. And when you when you get the when you get the ball at the bottom with that with that bumper and that little enclosed area and it starts hitting it really fast to the those you know little little dings coming really fast is that's that's a pretty cool sound too for the older machines. Yeah, no, the I love those those sounds. All right, question number five, and uh, we besides Pinburg, so we kind of like take that off the table. <laughs> what is your favorite festival or event to attend in and or play? And we'll start with you, Olivia. We'll give Juana a break. Well, given that my uh, Wi-Fi and a couple of friends are kind of uh, taking over the administrative duties of this one, I have to go with uh, ZapCon, which is uh, next uh, this coming April in uh, Mesa, Arizona. Um, we have uh, about 150 arcade games on the floor, about 120 pins typically, uh, getting a little bit larger every year, pinball tournaments, video game tournaments. Aside from that, um, I really like the uh, Northwest uh, show in, uh, Northwest Arcade and Pinball mm -hmm. Show in Tacoma, um, mainly because I like the group match play format as opposed to card-based qualifying or, or things like that um, of the pinball tournaments there have, and I uh, went last year and really enjoyed it. Yeah, no, I, I definitely want to make it out to that show. I hear nothing but good things about yeah. the Northwest Arcade and Pinball Show. Uh, Anna, what is your, besides Pinburg, what is your favorite festival or event to attend or play in? Um, I think it would have to be the Sanctum 24-hour battle. Um, you know, I, I knew people to go to that for a couple of years before I went, and I thought they were crazy. And um, and now I've been the last three years, and I I think I just have to go every year from here on out. It's um, such a unique experience to be sort of stuck in this warehouse in the middle of nowhere with a hundred other people who you may or may not know. And the match play <laughs> format that just keeps everyone having to go, you know, this, this idea that it's a marathon and, and not a sprint, you know, and, and going into it, it's like all of the strategy and advice that people are asking for is not about pinball, but it's about how to, how to make it through, what snacks to bring, what equipment to bring, how to prepare <laughs> yourself for the endurance test. And it's just, it's just hilarious and fun. Um, I'm really excited to see there's actually a whim. I think maybe the first women only 24 hour battle coming up next month in Columbus. Um, and a few of us here in New York were toying with the idea of just driving out there just for that. Cause that sounds like all the fun of the sanctum, um, you know, times a hundred being just with, with a bunch of women playing pinball for 24 hours. So um, I recommend it. If anyone doesn't have a 24 hour battle in their region, you should start one and the people will come. We were talking about, so Sunshine Bond was on last week and that was her favorite was the, the Sanctum battle. And I was like, uh, I don't know if I could do that because I would fall asleep at like 3 a.m. But then I was talking about it with uh, my local girls and they were like, we should have a pajama party lock in. <laughs> so I'm like, well, I, that's kind of like the Sanctum, but all right, well, we could give that a go. So I, I think that would be a lot of fun. I don't think I would make it, but it would be a lot of fun to try. Oh my, but I'm excited that they're going to have a, another one outside of the, the one up in no the Northeast. So that's exciting. Yay. 
Yeah, there's a, there's a few others that have popped up open 24-hour battles. I know there's one in California. There's one in Delaware this year. There, there's a few, but I think this is going to be the first women-only one, so I'll, I'll be really excited to hear about that. I'll, I'll get the info on that, listeners, and I'll post that um, either with the show notes or I'll put that on our social media, so I'll find out more about that. Awesome. I love that answer. Juana, what is your favorite uh, festival event to attend in or play besides Pinburg? So I will um, take a page from Olivia's book. I'm a little biased, but I love Penn Baltimore. It's a three-day festival and tournament series of tournaments that we run in Baltimore at Holy for Holies. Anna's been there since we brought it back the last couple of years. And it's just a good time. Um, I'm hoping, cross your fingers and toes, that we have a women's tournament there this year, which I'm very excited to be able to add that to the series. And it's just a lot of fun. Shout out to Jeff Danik, who owns the place, and Jake Peterson, who makes it happen. Just a really fun event. If I have to pick something that I'm not directly involved with um i would probably say um rob thomas out in maryland runs a great fulton pinball series that's a really awesome set of three tournaments over the i believe it's the spring summer and fall and it's super fun and it's where i got my first pinball medal so those are always fun memories too and rob's just a really great generous host with an amazing personal collection yeah no i love those answers all right question number six and we'll start with you, Anna, to, to, to shake things up. What is your grail pin? What is the one pinball machine you want to, mo- to own above all others? I, I, there are so many that I would get, but I think the one that, that I would have to own above all others is Scared Stiff. Um, I know that it's a little bit easy and that maybe people get a little bit bored with it. But I could just listen to Elvira whispering in my ear all day long. I mean, talk about my favorite sound package. I mean, I think for real, that's probably my favorite sound package. Um, it's is Elvira uh, talking dirty to me. I love her. So um, scared stiff, and it's a super fun game. I love that it's accessible and that you can reach the wizard mode without being, you know, uh, <laughs> the most amazing pinball player in the world. So scared stiff. It has attainable goals. I like it. It's, it's fun. To me, it's a fun pin. Uh, nice answer. All right, Juana, same question. What's your grail pin? Um, Anna stole my answer, but if it were not to be scared stiff, just for variety's sake, I would probably want a creature from the Black Lagoon. Like I, It's one of the first games I ever got into. I love it. I think it's beautiful um, and just a lot of fun. And again, very accessible, but I never get tired. of. I like that one. I like that one. Olivia, your grail. It's the first one that Katie and I designed with our own play field. You know, we've done a retheme with custom software and lighting and everything and kind of our next project that not really ready to talk about too much yet, but um, kind of excited to design our own play field and do something that's kind of all our own. Um, You know, I've kind of gotten some of those machines, you know, like uh, Star Trek Next Generation was one of them. Um, You know, Theater of Magic is one that, uh, you know, our kids really like. So we kind of went and pursued that one um, from that angle. but, uh, and we were really excited about Rick and Morty um, and, and we did get on that list. Um, but that's kind of the next big thing for us is to um, kind of design our own layout. And I've already got the rules <laughs> cooking up in my head, but, um, and they're very complicated, but I do need a play field to put it on first. So we want to come up with something interesting and have that be our own thing and share it with as many people as we can. That's awesome. I, I know yeah. that I've, I've heard your uh, interview with uh, Jeff Teolis mm-hmm. and I, I know about your creative side and, and I think that's awesome. You're like the, the grail I'm making. That is, that is my grail. <laughs> yeah, I was it, like, mic drop, I'm gone. So like, yeah, no, I, I love it. I love to hear more about that. I can't wait till you debut that. That's yeah. awesome. All right. Question number seven, who 
would you most like to play or whom do you enjoy playing head to head with the most? And we'll start with you, Anna. Um, I think one of the sort of uh, people that I imagined I would love playing head to head with is, is Bo and Karen's just because, you know, you feel like you're friends with him before you've ever even met him from watching him do those t- tutorials. And he's so like funny and fun and good and welcoming um, that that he definitely always was like, oh, I wish I could play with that guy one day. I think that we have played together once or twice. Um, but in terms of like, you know, famous pinball players, uh, he's he's at the top of the list. Um, and uh, there's, you know, there's a bunch of local players that I just always really look forward to going head to head with. Uh, uh, Christian Larson is this New York photographer that that takes pinball pictures. And if you haven't seen his stuff, it's, it's really amazing. And he was one of the first people, I think he was actually there that night when I discovered the team league in Brooklyn seven years ago. And he's always been really welcoming and encouraging. And, and every time I play him, we're really well matched. It's a really good game. Um, he's a really gracious loser and winner. And, uh, and so he's one of the local players that I just always enjoy going head to head against. Yeah. I think I follow him on Instagram. His photography is amazing. So yeah, no, I like that. See, you got, but Bowen, I will say is our most popular answer, um, on the show. Uh, he has, cro- he has cropped up quite a bit. I would say probably at least half a dozen times. Uh, yeah, he just seems really approachable. Like, I feel like he's my friend already. Cause I've watched a million videos <laughs> from Papa. I'm like, we've already played together in my mind. So I love that. I love that. Olivia, who, um, who would you most like to play head to head? Well, I could, I could echo all the, the Bo and Curd stuff. Cause I do, you know, have used a lot of his uh, tutorials, his research, but beyond that, you know, I, I'm, you know, one of the things that really interests me about the, the games is the design and the rules. And so maybe a designer like, uh, I'll probably mispronounce his name, but you know, Scott Deseni, uh, you know, did TNA and, and Rick and Morty or, you know, uh, one of the, you know, Steve Ritchie might be interesting to play against, although I probably would rather play the programmers, maybe a Lyman Sheets or, uh, you know, Dwight Sullivan or, you know, one of those guys just to kind of pick their brain about the rules on the game that they made, you know, kind of while they're making it and how they made those decisions. Because that's that's something that really interests me as well is, uh, you know, the sort of design of, of how to balance it and and how to make how to make th- how to make everything on the play field worth pursuing and and you know those types of things something we really thought about in the game that we put together and you know just for fun um, but uh, something I like to see in games is that sort of comprehensive rule design that keeps you moving around. Yeah, it's just it's really interesting. I've never had the opportunity to play with a, a game designer, but I think that would be neat. It's kind of like jamming with the guy who wrote the song. You know, I would think yeah, it would be yeah. kind of that that same mentality and that idea. And yeah, I'm a huge Scott Denisi fan. He did the TNA sound package, and that's the intro music to the show. So I'm a huge fan of his. I'm even though I'm not a Rick and Morty fan, like I've never seen the show. I'm interested to see the machine just because he did it. So I'm very excited about that. So I love that. I love that. Um, all right, Wano, who would you most like to play head-to-head? So I've got two. I mean, always my favorite person to play with is my husband, David, because we started playing Aww, together. Oh, emoji. I know. Well, we started playing together, and it's just been funny watching, like, our divergent paths go off as we've kind of figured out our own pinball. Um, we both try to lose well. We don't always succeed. But it's always fun to play with a partner if you have a partner who plays. But I think if I could pick anybody, I would really love to play with Carrie Wing one day. Um, I live in Baltimore, but I'm originally from Kansas City, so watching a local woman just tear it up has been so so fun uh we just got to go to 403 club in kansas city the last time i was in town and was hoping to run into her so i'd love to play with her one day i'd probably get school pretty hard but i think it'd be a lot of fun 
Yeah, she is so much fun. We've had her on the show as well. Um, yeah, I know um, they have a great community there in Kansas City. Uh, go Chiefs, by the way. I think I just saw that game. So, <laughs> oh yeah, I'm like fully covered in Missouri stuff right now. I'm like crying in the middle of a work event because I'm a huge Chiefs fan. <laughs> yeah, this should come out. You know, we won't. It's not a spoiler, y'all. The Chiefs won. So, um, but yeah, no, I, I uh, Carrie, Carrie's an awesome, awesome lady. I love her. All right, final question, you guys. What is your dream theme? This is a theme that has not been uh, created by a major pinball manufacturer, but that you would like to see come to life. And we'll start with you, Olivia, because I think I may know the answer to this, but we'll let you go first. Oh, I don't know if I want to share this one. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I'd love to see more uh, humor themes. I mean, that's something that, you know, we've got, I I think we've got um, heavy metal music pretty fairly well covered. Um, (laughs) Um, we've got, you know, the sixties, seventies or eighties, you know, as far as uh, women in bikinis standing near pool tables, I think that has been completely done. I think the book's been written on that, that theme right there. Um, but I'd like to, you know, I'd like to see more, more humor and sort of fun and satire and that kind of thing. Uh, being, uh, we kicked around the idea of a re-theme we didn't end up doing, but we thought the life of Brian would make a interesting uh theme probably in a minority there but um you know uh but uh yeah i think i think there's there's a lot of fairly accessible comedy out there that might have a a deep pool of assets to draw from that uh could make interesting themes yeah, yeah, definitely. I, I, I definitely think we've got the the metal and, and women part that you mentioned down very well. I'm like, we're yeah. done. Check yeah. that box. There's only so many ways to draw that. <laughs> yeah, very true. Very true. Anna, what is your dream theme? I think that there's been some people that have suggested a Golden Girls pinball machine as a joke, but it, it really got me thinking it would be pretty fun. Um, <laughs> and, uh, you know, I I also think I actually think it would sell too. Um, the one that is really my dream pin that maybe you wouldn't sell as well is is Strangers with Candy. Um, I don't know if you guys watched Strangers with Candy. Uh, with uh, okay, um, I you never know who you're talking to because it, it at this point does feel kind of generational. But um, I think that was just one of the funniest shows ever on television. There's so many classic lines from Jerry Blank and so many classic characters that that uh, I think it could make a really hilarious. Um, although a very R-rated pinball machine. Well, I I heard that, you know, they were able to, like with Rick and Morty, that there's like a, a, essentially you can kind of dial it up or dial it down, the profanity. So if you needed like a family setting, you could dial it to zero. Or if you were like, let's turn this all the way up and, you know, crank it to 11 and you could have, you know, as much profanity as you want. So there you could make it. I think it's on a slider. I thought that's what I heard. Yeah, I, I knew it was something like that. I mean, yeah. I guess it aired on television, so. Yeah, there's been a couple others of those, like The Sopranos, for example. There's like that, you can turn it on and off, the the, the profanity in that, <laughs> in that you know, <laughs> that mode, you know? You can like turn it, turn it off and on. Sorry, I don't know if that's allowed on your podcast. Well, I think you're speaking in Morse code. <laughs> there's going to be some beeping here, but that's okay. I think people will get it. I would totally buy the Golden Girls pinball machine. I have uh, the soft plunge golden machine, Golden Girls 
pinball shirt and I'm like, I need to buy a backup because I'm like, this one could fade or I could like spill like enchilada sauce on it. It could happen to me. Um, but I like, I want, thank you for being a friend to like be coming out of my game room. Like I'm like, thank you for being a friend. And I was like, is, is are there different modes? Would there be like a mode for each of the ladies? Like, would I play the Blanche mode and would be like, would the multi ball be like the cheesecake mode? I'm like, there are all these things we could do with it. I love it so much. Like I love all the things about that. So excellent, excellent choices. All right, Wano, what is your dream theme? Um, I would love a Daria machine actually to kind of channel like, (laughs) (laughs) I don't know. I just like, that's like peak teenage girl angst for me. And I think it'd be super fun and stuff. And I I would just for one love to hear some like good sarcastic, like just dry as hell call outs on that. I think it'd be super fun. And it's not another bikini clad woman laying next to a pool or a pool table. Like I just can't anymore. (laughs) Yeah. No, we're, we're done with that pinball manufacturers. We're done. We're done. I would say my most dreaded theme is probably the inevitable frozen pinball machine. (laughs) (laughs) No. I'm going to have to make sooner or later. It's like there's frozen everything else. Please don't do it, Stern. You know somebody's going to do it. They're like, it's going to appeal to the kids in a way. (laughs) All of of the parents here would like to you to please not. (laughs) Oh, my God. That would be so painful. Let it go. Oh, my God. I can't even imagine hearing that so many times. Oh my God. And do you want to build a snowman? That's the, the multi-ball theme. Yeah. So, oh my God. No, 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 no. I, I do not want to hear let it go on a, on a drain. <laughs> oh my God. Those are all fantastic. Well, ladies, thank you again so much for, for participating in inside the pinball arcade. And thank you so much for being on the show. I, I really appreciate it. Um, I know people can find you in various places on social media. Um, should they like, um, if you guys are interested in contacting the Women's Advisory Board, you can reach out to them via email. It's ifpawomen at gmail.com. And uh, again, ladies, thank you so much for everything you do. Thank you for being on the show today. And the door is always open if you guys ever have anything you're working on. Olivia, if you want to spill the beans on what you're working on, if you guys have events going on in your area, please, the door is always open to you guys. Uh, thank you so, so much. I really appreciate it. Thanks for listening to the Backbox Pinball Podcast. We hope you enjoyed the show. To get pinball fun delivered to you every week, subscribe to our podcast on your podcatcher of choice. Also, we'd love for you to post a review on Apple Podcasts. To look at show notes and more, visit our website at backboxpinballpodcast.fireside.fm. Again, that's backboxpinballpodcast.fireside.fm. Thanks for taking us with you, and keep flipping! Keep flipping!